this is the idea that I want to communicate today for, for all of our hearts just to engage. Once again, I hope this isn't new information for us, but I hope that as we dive into it again, that we would see the beauty that God's called us um, in our experience to display his glory. So this is what I hope for our time is that God's purpose for our experience of community is that we would display Jesus to one another and the world. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but you get into the moment and the actions and just the duties of doing everyday life. I call it setting the sails. You can't make the wind blow, but you just keep doing it over and over and over. And it can kind of feel like you're in a rut and kind of feel like what you were talking about last night, David, that you showing hospitality to one another, but eventually it starts to feel like there's some grumbling in your heart and you're like, I don't see the worth, the value of this, or I don't... I'm becoming detached from the meaning of all of this um, because some of us really know the right things to do. We know how to show love earnestly towards one another. We know how to live out um, the, the experience of showing one another the gospel on a day-to-day basis. We even know the right things to say to one another. But sometimes it can become detached from this reality that all of these things are for this glorious purpose of showing to one another what God is like and finding our joy and delight in proclaiming his excellencies and showing the world what our God is really like. And uh, sometimes this can happen to us just because of the everyday grind and um, knowing what to do. And I don't know if you guys ever heard this where you were growing up, but... Um, People used to tell me as a little kid that I was the spitting image of my granddaddy. You guys ever heard that term? You're the spitting image of, and I hear my, my aunts and uncles always say that about breaking, that he's the spitting image of me at the age that he's at right now. Um, and my hope is that we would see the weight of this reality that our community as believers should image and reflect the character and nature of our God. So, there's a reason that I had us worship God and all of those characteristics this morning because it's really, I mean, I don't know if this is this way for you. I can see the weight of God's glory when we're only talking about himself. Like when I talked through those attributes, it's really easy to worship him, right? I mean, you're like, this is a great God that we worship. I love him. What's not to love, right? I'm afraid that sometimes those characteristics that are to be reflected in our, in our everyday interactions with one another in marriage, with our kids, and especially in the body of Christ, can get lost somewhere. And we don't see the weight of what's actually happening when we smile at each other, when we interact with each other, when we speak the gospel to one another. So um, I want to just make a few observations. In verse 9, it says, to proclaim the excellencies of our God. So the first thing that I want you guys to see is that we proclaim God's character in the gospel. When we speak the gospel to one another, we're actually proclaiming God's excellence to one another's hearts. Um, I talk about this a lot whenever I'm sitting down with some of you guys as community group leaders is just speaking the gospel, asking the question, not only what role do I play, but what does the gospel speak into the lives of the people that you're leading? How would you have, when they present these issues that's going on in their lives, how would you have the, the scriptures, just the gospel speak into it? And I think the great thing about 
the fact that we have a revealed word of God that he said, this is what I'm like, is that it doesn't leave us guessing for what we are to say to one another. We have an enormous resource in just knowing God's word and loving to speak those, that truth over the lives and the people in our group. So we proclaim that thing. Uh, we proclaim the gospel just in the way that we speak to one another. Um, <clears throat> so a couple of things about that. When we're speaking into one another's lives in the, in the day-to-day, living this thing out in our families, in our marriage, in the people, um, it should be grounded in the wisdom of Scripture. So I know that's like, seriously, do we need to say that? Here's the reason I'm saying that. Sometimes our worldly wisdom can kind of take over when we think that. And, and this is true for me too. When I see people with problems, I'm like, I always got a solution, right? Um, let me just tell you what you need to do. It's so obvious to me. But one of the reasons that our advice doesn't hold weight is because it's not grounded in the excellencies of our God in his word that's been revealed. And so as much as possible, when we're speaking the gospel to one another, we should be speaking it in love and truth and grace, but it should be rooted in the wisdom of God's word. It's amazing what a difference it makes when you ask someone not just to speak the gospel, but to say, what does God's word say about this? And you guys, you don't always have to know the answer to that question. You don't need to always be the person who's saying, let me turn you to this scripture. Some of the ways that this happens in our group is I'll ask the question, has anybody got a passage of scripture that speaks to this issue? Is there anything that you guys have seen in the text that would speak to what's being presented right now? And asking others to take ownership for speaking God's word and truth into one another's lives, um, it reflects the glory of our God more so than you just taking over and saying, I got this, right? Because that's not community. That's you doing your thing. The next thing I want you guys to see is that... um, that each thing that we speak with our lives and and with the truth of God's word, and I've already said this, but just being rooted and grounded in the character and nature of who God is, um, if we're not there, it can short-circuit our relationships. We can just see it as this surface level of like, this is what we do, this is how we interact. It has to be rooted and grounded in the truth of who God is. We speak mercy to one another, not because that's what we should do, but because our God is merciful. Ephesians chapter 2. But God rich in mercy, because of his great love, we speak those truths to one another. We We speak the truth to one another because when we beheld Christ in his glory, reflecting the Father, he was full of grace and truth. Listen, the highest compliment that, God, that, that could be made of our groups is that through our groups, the glory of God had been beheld. I'm going to say that again. The highest compliment that could be made of our time together is that we have beheld his glory. We've seen what God is like, and he's good. 
Um, I don't know if you guys know about this resource, the New City Catechism. I've been going through it with a friend of mine, and um, the question about what is the church, and, and it's it's a modernized catechism of lots of old reform documents, but um, in this it says that God sends out his community to proclaim the gospel and to prefigure Christ's kingdom by the quality of their life together and their love for one another. One of the things that I don't ever want us to miss is that God's character is actually displayed in our interactions with one another. Our joy in one another actually shows the world and each other what our God is like. The pursuit of Jesus, like I said last night, can become more informational than transformational if we're not living out the observations and connecting the reality that God's character is being displayed in that he's created us as relational beings. Genesis 1:26. Let us make man in our image. So the first thing that we are as image bearers is we reflect the image of God in that he's perfectly related to himself. Um, the beauty of the Trinity is that there's this uniqueness about each person in the Trinity, and yet they dwell in perfect unity with one another. And so the first thing that he says is, let's make man in our image. He's saying, let's, let me display what I'm like. As a little icon, this image bearer, let me show what I'm like, and it's not good for him to be alone. So the very fact that we do life not isolated but together actually reflects the image and character of our God. And I know that, you know, we can kind of say that so much at these sort of events. Um, but, but the issue is still this. When we're doing life, I, I just wonder sometimes if we forget this reality. That when we're sitting in front of someone else, be it our spouse, our kids, or the people in our group, do we realize that sitting with someone else actually reflects the image and character of our God? Because if we don't see that reality, then the weight and the glory of what's actually happening when we sit across the table from someone, when we share a meal with someone, it can become detached. And and suddenly, these things that are supposed to be worship to our God can become this dutiful, I know this is what I should do. I realize this is what people do in community. And this list of things that say this is the right thing. So I want you to ask yourself that question right now. In my everyday relationships, the conversations, the interactions that I have with the people around me, do I see that these interactions are attached attached to the very nature and character of my God? And if the answer is no, then it's really easy to short-circuit what God has intended for redemption in our relationships. Just like we talked about last night, the result of sin is that Adam and Eve, first, who did they hide from? They didn't hide from God first. They hid from one another. There was something about their sin that separated them from one another. And there's something about the cross of Jesus Christ that's saying, I'm making all things new. And I want, 
And this is what God wants for us, that his redeemed community would, would show to the world what he's like, would be a reflection of the coming kingdom, like what it said in that. Imagine that. If we could prefigure Christ's kingdom, if we'd be this pre-representation of what his coming kingdom will look like when there's a new heavens and new earth, by the quality of our life together and the love for one another. So it's not just the things that we declare, it's also the way that we live as his people in verse 10. See, once you were not a people, you guys see that? At one point, you were not a people. You did not have this belonging that the gospel calls us to. And now you're a people. So we live in this tension of the things that have already been done and the things that are not yet. And if we could see that this is God's glorious aspiration for our time spent with other people, that he would be reflected, beautiful, glorious, then I think whenever all of the the trials of life, the things that we we call busyness, <laughs> the things that we feel disgruntled with with the people around us, when it comes to war against this truth, if we have the weight of what God is trying to accomplish and seeking in our relationships, I think that makes it much more worth fighting for. Do you guys believe that? It, it makes it so much more worth it to sacrifice, to make time for one another to make space in our schedule to sit with one another even when it feels like is there some purpose is there a reason for our gathering there's always purpose because God's glory is seeking to be revealed in the way that you guys interact with each other so in our interactions I just want to make these observations that because Christ is a pursuer of us, that we pursue one another with a love that's earnest, with a hope that's real. I love just reading over 1 Corinthians 13 before we're about to have people in our home and think about those truths. That love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things. And so, I, I... I come back to this question several times as Casey and I talk through, like, what does it look like to love the people that God has put in our lives? Do we reflect the love that God has called us to? Do we believe all things for these people? Do we hope all things? Do we endure all things? Because when we do, it's not just that we get it right. It's that God is seen and savored, and he's as beautiful as he's called us to reflect him to be. The other thing is, is in verse 12. You guys see that in verse 12? Look at that verse. It says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. A couple observations about this. First of all, they were able to see the community of Christ. The community of Christ was close enough in vicinity to people who were outside of the faith 
that they could see it and behold God's glory in it. It wasn't just that they saw their good deeds with one another. There was this family resemblance that they had that didn't make them say, hey, those people are strange, they're different. They ma- it made them say to one another, the thing that's different about them is their God. And I said this last night, and I want to say this again. This piece of our community together that we would see and savor Jesus is what makes us distinct from every other community that you could be part of. Do you guys know that the nation of Islam, they want to do life together? Did you guys know that? The nation of Islam wants to make disciples. The same with Mormons. The same with every other faith. But the thing that is distinct of us is our understanding of who God is. And that we attach that understanding to the interactions that we have. We attach that understanding to, of who God is to the way in which we're making disciples. And so if we miss this piece of what's happening when we're together, then we're no different than anyone else. The thing that I found interesting is that not only that the Gentiles could see them, but when they said something, they had this opportunity to speak evil against it or make some accusation that they saw their good deeds and they said, you know what? They didn't glorify them. They glorified God. There's a few things that I, uh, I wanted to go through a couple of different passages, and I think if any of you know just how I, I see the word, and I hope that you guys see this too, that all of the story of history is this revealing of who God is. And every interaction that he makes, every, every pursuit that he makes, every time that he's moving in creation, he's revealing something about his nature. In the Psalms, you see that the heavens are declaring the glory of God. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, so that the, so Paul is saying, God has made me a, a minister of the gospel so that through the church, this is Ephesians 3.10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We see that the, in this, this passage that the purpose of the church is to reveal, to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. And then in 1 Timothy, Brian's been talking about this verse a lot. If I delay, you, might ought to, you, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So our life as a church is this display of who God is. It's a pillar, it's a buttress, it's something that holds up and displays. This is what the truth is about our God. This is what he's like. And then in here in First Peter, it says that we could display his excellencies, that we could proclaim what our God is like. That's why God made us a people. He didn't make us a people only that we would have a sense of belonging. He made us a people so that we could display what he's like. And I'm looking at you guys thinking, man, you guys know this, right? We, we, as the leaders in this church, should know this reality. So I, I guess the question that comes to me is, how close is this reality to the place that we live? We see the beauty of it. We see the beauty that God has displayed in our community, that his truth is revealed through our interactions with one another. But how close do we live to that truth? 
How easy is it for us to forget that? That in the day-to-day serving one another, living out the gospel with each other, how easy is it for us to forget that this all has weight and glory and meaning? And it's worth our very lives. It's not just worth a little bit of our time during the week. It's worth everything. And then the last thing that I was thinking is, is I was thinking about this, is what, what happens when we don't display the character and glory of God in our community? What happens when we don't? One of the things that's interesting about the South, I think it's interesting, is that everyone that you meet has some experience of church, just about. Unless they're a transplant here. Unless they've moved here from somewhere else. They have some experience of what church is like. And most of them have some story about how the church has failed them. And you guys know this, and it's usually the same stuff. Well, this person did this. And there's a reason that people come through the church and they leave. One of the common threads that you hear when you listen to people talk about their experience in church is is this reality that at some point, the character and nature of God was not being displayed to them. Some of them, that's not true. Sometimes people see God's character and nature and they say, I don't like that and I'd rather be somewhere else where I'm more comfortable. But every once in a while you meet someone who it seems like they've had some authentic experience of Christ and then something happens. And almost always, when there's a sincere wound, I'm not talking about a faithful wound of a friend where someone said, hey, you need to repent of sin. That's a faithful wound. You guys know the difference? When people are wounded by the church, almost always the common thread is, these people didn't look like I thought Christ looked. Something about the way they interacted with each other, and sometimes it's not even that they were wounded themselves. People have stories all the time. I, I, I mean, people that you meet, they tell you stories about, well, you know, we went to church, but then this thing happened. And maybe there was something that happened that... And one of the things that is distinct is that always those things look different than the character and the glory of God. And my prayer for us is that, I would, that we would say, may it never be that the, the resemblance that we share with our Father would be diff- so different from Him that we would we'd say that we had fallen from the family tree, that, that had fallen far from the tree. May it never be that even in the, the smallest of our interactions that we would reflect the grace and truth of our Savior the way that we care for one another, that we would reflect the comfort of our loving Father. The way that we show each other mercy, that it would reflect the mercy of the cross. The way that we speak the truth in love, that it would, be, it would reflect the King of kings and Lord of lords that leads his people forward. In all those things, my hope and prayer is that you guys would see and have handles for all those things, and that the weight of glory would be attached to these really simple, everyday interactions that you share with the people in your life. So, I guess, I'm curious. Do you guys feel the weight of what's happening when you text someone, 
when you phone call someone in your group, when you sit down across the table from someone? Do you experience the weight of glory that God has set before the foundation of the world, that in creation and in our relationships with one another, he would say, let us make man in our image. Do you see that he's displaying his manifold wisdom and power and love through the way that you guys interact? So that not only when, when our own people show up, they say, you know what, I saw the glory of Christ, and it joyed my heart. Not just because there were people that I enjoy there, but because Christ is in the midst of these people. And I hope that every day we kind of come back to this compass of saying, the purpose of our groups is not just to get it done, but that we would see and enjoy the glory of Christ. And that people would see him as the beautiful king and creator that he is.